Julian Zelizer is our guest. He is back, good friend of the program and of all of ours now uh, personally over the years. He is a political historian at Princeton University and a New America Foundation fellow. He's published over 500 op-eds. Boy, Julian, you're making me feel guilty. i got to get writing, including his weekly column on CNN.com. He's received fellowships from the Brookings Institution, the Guggenheim Foundation, and the Russell Sage Foundation. His book, The Fierce Urgency of Now, Lyndon Johnson, Congress, and the Battle for the Great Society, that's his most recent. He has others. More than a pleasure to have back Julian Zelizer. Hey, Julian, good afternoon. I'm watching all the great things happening and the chats, the book chats you're in and all your photos and stuff on Facebook. Proud of you, buddy. Thanks uh, for being with us. Thanks so much. I appreciate that. Um, let's talk about Donald Trump and his comments. And we're talking about this, in a sense, from a political angle. Um, yeah. You have written uh, a piece uh, entitled Donald Trump Counter. Is this your piece, uh, by the way? Donald Trump Counters Condemnation with a. Oh, okay. It no, is not. No. Okay. Sorry, sorry, guys. You got to tell me. You got to okay. tell me. Um, but uh, you've written uh, many great pieces. And w- what I want to talk about that Donald Trump, in a sense, you know, a- as we expect him to, is firing back. And he tweeted yesterday dangling the idea of an independent run for president, sending a clear warning to the Republican establishment. Is Donald Trump basically saying, if you dog and diss me and my opinions, Republicans, I will screw you and run as an independent? Absolutely. I mean, this is a threat that he has been making since he started. Uh, You know, he took a – he pledged that he wouldn't do this uh, after the first debate, but I think it's always – been underlying everything he does. And Republicans understand that a third-party run would hurt them uh, more than it would hurt the Democrats. So they're trying to balance attacking and responding to him uh, without sending him into that kind of third-party bid. What would happen, hypothetically, if Donald Trump ran as an independent? I mean, we've seen what Ralph Nader's done in the past, but a lot of uh, folks that, you know, really uh, psycho- analyze, if you will, the findings from polls and and the results from the polls and the people that are being polled and the people supporting Trump specifically. Many, many feel that they're not going to be voters in a sense. Um, But, you know, but even if they were, what would that do? Would Donald Trump be another Ralph Nader or would this be different this time around? Because maybe some of what he's said as of late, uh, it, it might resonate with, you know, you know, his base, obviously, but still he anybody needs that centrist moderate independent voter in order to win the presidential election yeah he wouldn't i i don't think he'd be able to win as a third party candidate 30 part you know third party candidates don't do well uh historically in terms of winning but what they do is they're able to put issues that matter to them on the agenda and they're able to cut away at some of the vote of the major party and you know, after all these months, I think it's clear that he has significant support in the electorate. And uh, some of those supporters are not willing, if he's not running, to go to one of the other candidates. Um, and so I think some of them might go with him, and that could eat away at the conservative base of the Republican Party. It could demand media attention and take it away from some of the other candidates, and it could just deflate some of the enthusiasm for the GOP ticket. So he could have a big effect on whoever's running uh, on, for the Republican Party. As he dangles this threat or idea, do you think that the GOP is going to change their position? Because I don't think, uh, clearly from Paul Ryan, Dick Cheney, and all of the candidates with 
pretty much the exception, I think, of Rand Paul, even Ben Carson, um, who have denounced uh, Trump's uh, latest uh, bigoted idea for America. Um, would the Republicans, do you think, bend over, if, if you will, uh, for Trump, uh, Julian, and you know, pedal back on some of their criticism of, of him and his remarks, not just the latest with Muslims, but other remarks that he's made with regard to Muslims, with regard to Mexicans, with regard to women, and with Mex- with uh, Muslims, I mean, you know, ID cards and uh, closing mosques, and of course the ban. And we all know the things that he said about criminals and rapists with regard to the uh, Hispanics and the Latino community, specifically referring to uh, Mexicans and, and, of course, to women. The list goes on. Will this change the way the Republicans speak out against Trump going forward if he continues to dangle this threat? I don't know. You know, it's it's one of those things. Either way, they lose. If they don't uh, respond in tough fashion, you know, their party looks you know, more and more like it's veering to the right, too far right for a lot of the general electorate. Uh, electorate. Uh, but if they don't say anything, they increase the chances of this third-party threat. Some of the things he is saying right now are so far out of the mainstream, I think Republicans are going to have to respond and risk uh, his doing that. So I think there's going to be more pressure to hear from the candidates what do they think about proposals like, you know, banning the travel um, of, of Muslims coming in from the other country? I don't think they're going to be able to, you know, bury their head in the sand and avoid this. I agree. We'll be back with Julian Zelizer, political historian at Princeton University and a New America Foundation fellow. University and a New America Foundation fellow. Julian, I know that you don't have the inside of Donald Trump's mind down, neither do I. But I know you're a very intelligent man and you know a lot of these things. Is it me or does he seem to say things for effect? I'm not even sure Donald Trump believes a lot of the rhetoric, as nasty as it is that he's saying. And I say that because when other people are catching up or gaining on him in the polls or when you see percentages uh, drop like Reuters had seen a 12% drop in his support. Um, he says something outrageous, and then boom, the cameras are rolling. He gets attention. I think much like Lady Gaga, he lives for the applause, the applause, the applause. So my question is, if he in fact runs as an independent, he knows that a Republican would most likely not win. He would split the vote. Is Donald Trump in this to win? Or is Donald Trump in this for the game and the reality show aspect he's made of our political process as of late? Well, I I mean, I I think you're absolutely right. And I'm not convinced at all that many of the things he said uh, are policies or issues he genuinely believes are true. This is a person who was made both in uh, name-branding real estate uh, where he was very aggressive in selling the idea of Trump on his buildings and casinos. And he's also a product of television, of reality television, where he understood how to attract attention, how to put on shows that would be eye-catching. Uh, so I think he says things for effect all the time, and he understands uh, that it works, and it's been working in terms of getting media attention and generating voter interest. Uh, but this is 
a mechanism for winning. He is also an extremely competitive person and someone who's power-hungry, who, who would love to be president, I'm sure. Um, so I think this is just basically his main strategy, and this is why he would prefer not to do a third-party run, because he doesn't want to do this just for the promotion anymore. I, I believe he thinks he can be president of the United States. Uh, he upped the ante and tweeted a new USA Today Suffolk University poll showing 68% of the 2016 Republican frontrunner's supporters would ditch the GOP and stick with him if he launched an independent campaign for the presidency. He loves to flaunt polls that he's doing well in, obviously. He, and he likes to flaunt pieces of those polls and doesn't break them down. Obviously, most people don't. You know, they listen for the sound bites or look for the headline. Um, how... It would would Donald Trump gain more of the Republican support than the Republican nominee if he were an independent, in your opinion? No, I don't think he would. I mean, the party still does matter, even though everyone's talking about the collapse of the establishment. Uh, and the party, through the machines that do exist, through endorsements, uh, simply through the grassroots reach that parties still do have, uh, command a lot of support. And many voters are not willing to leave the Republican Party. They'd rather have a Republican defeat a Hillary Clinton, then throw their support behind Donald Trump and watch a Democrat take the White House. So I think he is astute enough to realize that just look at the history. Uh, it's not likely that a third-party candidacy will get him what he wants anymore, meaning a uh, victory. Um, so there's limits to what, what he can do. Is there a little foreshadowing in what the Republicans will do going forward? And it's really sad, if you think, because Donald Trump's almost like a bully. That says, do that again, I'll beat the crap out of you. And Republican National Committee Chairman uh, Reince Priebus said uh, to the Washington Examiner that he disagrees with Trump but pressed on how Trump's proposal could hurt the party. He said, quote, that's as far as I'm going to go. So does that mean, uh, because I have to say, I am a liberal Democrat and a progressive and a feminist. And I liked Paul Ryan yesterday. And I thought he was genuine and he was sincere. And I was breathing a sigh of relief because I was starting to feel that our country was becoming much like the lynch mob that elected the Chancellor Adolf Hitler prior to World War II. Um, so, uh, you know, do you think that Republicans are, you know, really going, you know, to back down uh, from this? Because, at, I mean, at the end of the day, they want to win, like you say, but at what cost to their party? Uh, and, and like you said, they're, they have a battle either way, with Trump or without him. I think part of the problem is they still don't have a strong alternative. Uh, the kind of Republican vote or the support for a Republican is still being divided among many candidates. So there is no figure uh, who could, you know, do what was done to Joe, Joseph McCarthy and, and stand up to Donald Trump in public. And I think until the party coalesces around someone, whether it's a Rubio uh, or one of the other candidates, even a Ted Cruz, I just don't think that's going to happen. None of the other candidates feel secure. None of them feel like the front runner. So as a result, they are very fearful of the tactic you're talking about. He's done this since the first debate where he went after the press and the reporter who attacked him. Right. You question him, he will attack. Um, so the Republicans need to solidify in some ways through the first primaries and caucuses around someone other than him if they're actually going to take him on. Uh, Bush, uh, Jeb Bush tweeted that perhaps the real estate mogul had negotiated to deal with his buddy Hillary Clinton. He said continuing this path would put her in the White House. 
Well, that is true that it would put her in the White House. But let's talk about the beginning of that statement. There are people who believe that he's doing this for Hillary, that this is all, you know, I mean, you know, carry the grassy knoll, if you will, but that this is some kind of conspiracy to help Hillary Clinton because he's made a mockery uh, and his supporters are letting him of our current political process. Yeah, I think, you know, for those of us who've been watching Donald Trump since the 1980s, uh, it's hard to believe that's why he's doing this. Uh, I, I mean, he is doing this for himself, and he is someone who thinks that way all the time. But the effect could be exactly what people are saying. And I think that is the major, most powerful argument that can drive Republicans when voting actually starts away from you know, casting their ballot for Donald Trump in the primary, that by doing that, you're not really voting for Donald Trump. You're, in effect, voting for Hillary Clinton. And that's the argument that a Republican has to make. Um, But I don't think it's a conspiracy. Uh, But I think the effect would be that. Do you think that Trump underestimated the backlash and level of backlash on this? Because he's had backlash before, whether it's on, you know, Senator John McCain, Uh, even mocking a disabled journalist, women, Latinos, that perhaps he didn't realize the level of backlash. Yeah, I mean, you know, he's so far into this, and he's so far into this style of politics. I think there's a part of him that is just making an ongoing calculated bet that if he does, if he makes a statement like this, and he responds aggressively to his critics, they will back down, and in the end it will benefit him. Uh, when you have a politician who does that, they off, like a gambler, uh, they'll often reach some tipping point where they go too far and, and the whole structure collapses. I don't know if we're there yet, um, but, but I, th- I think he's getting closer uh, with some of his statements. Let's go to Kevin in Santa Fe, New Mexico, line three. Kevin has a question about Trump if he were to run as an independent. Kevin, good afternoon. Welcome. Question for Julian Zelizer, our guest. How would he get on the ballot as a third-party candidate? There's been a lot of talk about how Biden didn't run because he wasn't meeting certain deadlines. And I'm talking about the requirements of having 100,000 or more signatures in each state and all of the actual groundwork. A campaign is not just an easy thing where you announce, I'm going to run as a third-party candidate. There's a lot of footwork to be done and deadlines to be met. Aren't those deadlines coming up fast? Uh, so I guess Kevin's yeah. asking, is it too late, uh, Julian, or is he within, you know, the parameters? And, uh, you know, can he, you know, do that at this uh, point in the game? I believe he can. I, uh, to be honest, I don't know the exact deadlines, but Ross Perot, the second time he ran, I believe did it pretty late um, in the game. So uh, I'm not sure how far away he is from those. But the other part of the question is a big one. It's not just a big one for a third-party run. It's a big one for his Republican run. Uh, you know, can he match what he's done in terms of the media, in terms of spending his money, with the actual grassroots voting mobilization that is required? Um, he's paying attention to Iowa. He's paying attention to New Hampshire. But it's unclear at this point if he has the infrastructure to really bring out the vote in other states like South Carolina. And you know, and just put aside the third party. If he doesn't do that, uh, it will uh, hurt him. And that's what Hillary Clinton learned in 2008. Let's go to Reggie in Georgia, line two. Reggie, question or comment for Julian? A question for Julian. Why exactly, did, why exactly the hell did it finally take them so damn long? The GOP, I mean, 
for them to see Donald Trump for who he truly is, you know, for his true color to be ex- exposed up here and, and, shown before, and shown before the whole entire world. Well, I, think that, I think that's a fair question, Reggie. Thank you. Julian, why, you know, because, I mean, Republicans came out on mass. I mean, even Dick, I mean when, I'm, when I'm agreeing with Dick Cheney, I know there's something wrong with the world or right with the world. I'm not sure. Uh, but, uh, you know, the, the Republicans remained pretty silent or not as um, harsh in their criticisms of, of Trump in the past with regard to others that he has criticized. Look, some of the things he has said uh, have support in polls of the Republican electorate. He might take them to extreme levels on statements about how to combat terrorism, uh, but there's been polls in the last few days that suggest there is a basis for what he's saying uh, in, the ele- in the Republican electorate. So it's not that he's so far off from where the primary and caucus voters are. And look, a lot of Republicans... You know, until he the costs of his statements become too high, benefit from what he's doing. Uh, you know, he's riling up conservatives, he's riling up voters, he's getting them ready to come out to vote, and he's implicitly laying a groundwork for attacking the Obama administration. And, you know, Republicans in the early 1950s didn't say anything about Joseph McCarthy, in part because they were scared of him, but in part because he was their attack dog. And so... They could sit silently until the cost of doing that became too high. Uh, and my guess is that's what you're seeing right now, rather than a genuine fundamental aversion to everything he stands for. Julian, always uh, a pleasure to talk to you. And I know you're going to go for today. We're going to take a break. But I do want to have Julian back because he is a historian. And I, I do want to talk about pre-World War II versus now and other times in our nation's history. Uh, thank you, Julian. Um, I do uh, want to mention this going into break. Um, I was uh, listening to a historian yesterday. Did you know that I think you all know Native Americans weren't at one time considered American? Blacks were property and not Americans. But Chinese, Chinese were not a recognized nationality in this country. We know about Manzanar, but, and you know that we turned Jews away in the 20s and the 30s. But did you know that there was a man that was in the Catholic Church? I believe he was, I'm not sure if he was a priest, but he was a speaker. And he had such a following, and he was very anti-Semitic. And this was prior to the Holocaust, and this was here in the United States. But did you also know that Catholics were prohibited from coming to this country based on their religion because the Protestants were fearful of Catholics coming to this country and what they would do? Interesting, huh? So uh, we need not go back to the 1800s. This is 2015. Julian Zelizer was our guest. Follow him on Twitter at Julian Zelizer. That's J-U-L-I-A-N-Z-E-L-I-Z-E-R. The website, JulianZelizer.com. That book, The Fierce Urgency of Now, Lyndon Johnson, Congress and the Battle for the Great Society. That's his latest. He has others.